0: Every day writing down, oh, oh, really? That's good. <laughs> like I write down what people say. And so a lot of people say, without thinking about it, they say, uh, we'll probably be able to meet that deadline, or we might uh, you know, achieve that goal by the end of the quarter or what have you. And so might and probably, or I'm pretty sure, I hear a lot of people speak in those terms. And the effect to the per to the team, to the employee that you're saying it to is that you're unsure, you're not certain. And the, and the leaders, when I when I was saying that the leader's job is to remove obstacles, there are barriers to success. It's also to provide that certainty and that assurity.
1: You're listening to the Focus on Customer Experience Podcast. 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 Benjamin Del Grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today. Improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket. Two, one. your host Benjamin Del Grosso. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Terry Short. Terry Short is a human potential developer and has been a coach in some capacity her entire career. She has more than 30 years of leadership experience, a master's in business administration, healthcare management, her professional her professional coach certification CCC and is a certified patient experience professional, a CPXP. It's a lot of fancy words, but either way, she has lots of experience. So, Terry, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much. It's like alphabet soup, right? All those all those <laughs> letters. <laughs> yeah, so, so to be here.
1: <clears throat> so Terry's from Monterey, California. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got to where you are today.
0: Absolutely. Well, I first, I'll tell you, I, I have the privilege to winter in Monterey, and my husband manages a fly fishing lodge in Idaho. So that's where we go for the summer, So because, you know, it's cold and foggy here in Monterey. So that's our fun gig. <laughs> yeah. Um. So how I got here. So I had a career in hospitality, and I went through the leadership track of Four Seasons Hotels. Which I loved, great company to work for. And then a uh, Pebble Beach Company. That's actually how I ended up in Monterey. And uh, that was that was good. That's how I met my husband. And then and just as soon as we got married and we we're gonna start a family, I thought I'm gonna work from home. So I started my own consulting and training business. And I did that for 15 years. While in that business, I opened the largest luxury guest ranch in the state of Montana, huge. Lots of people, lots going on, lots of guests. And it, and so all along, even with my consulting, my niche was the very, very high-end resorts and hotels, right? And then while I was on a board in Missoula, Montana, that that's when we lived in Montana, um, a Go Red for Women board, the chief medical officer at the local hospital said, we need you to work at our hospital. I was like, work at your hospital? <laughs> I had like zero healthcare experience. And what I had was experience the experience of teaching experience, right? So very, very high end hotels and resorts and how does that translate to um, the hospital setting? And so that was my charge in order to improve the physician, the employee and the patient experience. And I sort of started there um, did that for just a really short amount of time before I got them turned around, and then I ended up um, with the national company, and eventually at HCA, the largest healthcare provider in the United States, with that same charge to to improve the experience of the employees, the physicians, and the patients. So I'm pretty passionate about that, Ben.
1: Yeah, that's that sounds great. <laughs> um, so when you're you're going to the healthcare, because because I've heard a lot about this where you know doctors go they they start a practice but they don't know how to like fully run a business they know how to be a doctor right? right so they don't really understand the whole you know nuts and gears and everything involved with the business right they they know they need to hire someone to greet people and they they that need that for someone needs to take appointments and someone needs to you know fill out the charts or whatever right mm-hmm. and but they don't know how to actually run a business so that that's where someone like you kind of comes into help them how to, I guess, maybe give them a softer side and a personal side of the business, if that makes sense?
0: Yes. And so often it's called those soft skills of communication too, which I think it's the foundation of any business and any leadership style, the foundation of communication. But i tell you what, Ben, it doesn't stop with the physician. In, In the hospital setting, oftentimes the very best nurse, is called on a Sunday, you know, like their, their mistake is answering the telephone on Sunday night because the charge nurse has called out sick on Monday and the next thing you know, there's a the charge nurse and they're in a leadership position. So it's the same sort of thing. We, we bump people up because they're the physicians is because that they want to be in their own practice, but otherwise we say the best at this now can be a leader with, with little to no, um, leadership experience. And I know one of your other guests spoke about that a bit. and it's just, it's the, it's the, it's what unraveled everything. <laughs> because when the person at the helm doesn't really know what they're doing leadership wise and communication-wise, it's not the right experience for the frontline workers. So that person that the physician hired to be the receptionist without the right guidance and the right, um, the right set of values and the vision and mission for that particular organization, you don't have everybody. They all pulling on the same rope and that's communication based. And so when that happens, there, there's a disconnect. And when you don't have engaged employees, you can't have them giving um, a great experience to the patients or to any kind of service. Right.
1: Yeah. So, you know, what is the significance of the words we choose?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's a huge passion of mine. Right. I wrote a book in 2020 as did a gazillion other people. (laughs) <laughs> it was like the year of writing a book, right? <laughs> no.
1: I didn't, not yet.
0: You did it? Okay, well, you no. missed that. You missed that, much, which is good. But to be fair, I had mine by, by March when, it, when COVID went down, I had mine off to the editor. So it was already written. But anyway, it was published in August and it's called The Words We Choose, Your Guide to How and Why Words Matter. And really what that's born out of is my hospitality experience and then my healthcare experience and being very, very much attuned to The things that people said, so whether they were, you know, taking care of the rich and famous in the the hotel or they were taking care of patients, I've just became particularly sensitive to what people said and what the impact was. So in healthcare, I would coach that pretty much every patient has a snake on their head right? So if you imagine a snake, a live snake on their head, and until you choose the right words and engage them at the right level and remove some of that fear, that snake remains on their head. And so when the physician comes in, they can't hear anything the physician says, because the, the right words to reduce the fear haven't been chosen yet, right? So, and the right amount of listening. So I got obsessed about that and I wrote a book. So the way the book goes is it's really... The whole thing is founded on the fact that it's an inside job. You really have to fix the voice in your in your own head first, your personal narrative, which these days I like to call your personal podcast, right? You have your headphones on, we're listening to your podcast now, and internally, we're listening to our own personal podcast 24-7. I was listening to mine at 3.30 in the morning last night, right? And so the words we choose for ourselves indicates or, or sets the stage for how we turn around and choose. Choose words to engage others and so it's like getting to the right level personally to be able to connect with other people at the right level
1: yeah no I mean I know I've said a few words to Mm -hmm. my wife where I've said like you know I was really disappointed in you and then like many years ago many years ago but holy smokes did I hit a nerve and oh. you, you say it, you're like thinking like, oh, it's not a big deal. And then you start realizing, I made a really bad choice of words here. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> so, so that's a good example. So here's a quick a quick fix to that. Is that when you're, particularly when it's um something touchy, that you always only speak in, in I terms. You know, when you did, when I observed that, that, that she did this, it made me feel. You're only speaking about the feelings that you own and you chose to say you, I'm disappointed in you, right? So instead turning that around and speaking in terms of what, the doing of whatever she did, how it made you feel and the difference or the impact that it made. So that's your safe space is to speak in those terms, right?
1: Yeah, you gotta be careful with the words because sometimes <laughs> you sleep on the couch for a while.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, no. here's the a- Here's another tip, this, um, I hear this a lot, is we question people, like particularly with the, in recent years, let's say, with the political landscape, there was a lot of asking why, you know, when people, when somebody says to you, why did you vote for that person? Or why do you believe that? Or even why is that report gonna be late? It's judgy, you know, you're implying judgment, you're implying that you have a different op- opinion, right? Maybe you don't, but you're implying that when you choose why. So another tip that you would find in the book is to start your questions with "what" or "how," or "tell me," "tell me more," um, and then you're you're in a safer place where you're you're almost like I think about it as like peeling back the layers of an onion as you ask each "what" or "how" question from a non-judgmental place.
1: So now you could ask the question in terms of what is the reason you would vote for that candidate instead of why. For-
0: yeah, Or what do you like most about that candidate? What so now I like in, most. Yeah, I'm now I'm in a a place of curiosity. or tell me the um, the greatest impact that you see from this candidate, this judge being appointed or what have you, right? Yes. So now yes. we're gonna we're gonna converse about it, and I'm open and I'm coming from a place of curiosity. So avoiding questions that that end with a yes no, so yes no questions, or they start with why. So that's my, that's my questioning tip.
1: (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about obviously words that we choose. So which words inspire and influence others?
0: Well, it's an excellent question. I'm going to, I'm going to respond in terms of the opposite words, right? Right. So um, when you say, I'm going to talk about it from a leadership perspective, because we can talk about it, personal podcasts, We can talk about it with children. We we can talk about it with loved ones, all sorts of aspects. But let's stick with leadership, if that's right, right? So you're leading a business. And when you say, um, should, when you say, we should get this done in this amount of time, or you should complete this. When I use should, I'm suggesting that somebody else owns it. And that it's a sort of a we they thing, very uninspiring, right? Whereas if I if I uh, speak in terms of asking you, what would be the best time to complete this, or what are your thoughts on this project, or what have you, then I'm being much more inclusive and inspiring. When I use the word can't, we can't do that. I'm severing any potentiality, any any possibility of something happening, and. And when a leader introduces can't, they're right. As soon as they say you can't, then the whole team believes that and you can't. Very uninspiring. So we can, and then oftentimes there's a but associated, you know, but we need more staff members or but we need more resources or but this has to be delivered in time. And but also severs and it's um, very uninspiring. And so replacing but with "and," so we can do this. And we have an opportunity to uh, beef up our resources or seek some more supplies or get the supplies here sooner so it end is the joiner and inspires confidence and um you know the, the potential to achieve something so those are a few
1: yeah we can do this I mean I know a lot of times as a as a leader you know you have to be careful with which words and everything that you do say because you definitely want to you know, you want to inspire your team. You want to, you know, influence them to, to take action. And I know even with our kids, they'll come to me and ask me questions and my wife will be, why aren't you giving them the answer? I'm like, cause I want, I said, cause I believe our kids already have the answer. We just need to let them tell us what they feel it is. If it's completely wrong answer, then we'll guide them the right way. And many years ago when I worked at Best Buy, you know, we used to go to the, there was a manager of the store and we'd go up to them and, hey, there's something wrong with this, such and such, whatever, right? And they would go, well, go do this, 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 and that. Okay. Then a new manager came into the store and new general manager came in and we'd go up to them and go, hey, there's a problem with this, this, and that. And they go, okay, well, what do you think you should do about it? And I'm like, and then you're like, what? This is confusing. <laughs> but I'm, I'm used to coming to you for the answer. And okay. they started, then they, then you would start going to them and you'd say, well, I think we should do this, this, or this, or this. These are the two solutions I have. Well, which one do you think is the better solution? Well, this one, okay, go do it. And I, that's literally all they did. And then it got to the point where you just didn't even go see that person anymore. You just did things right. Okay. Because if you already felt that you were making a lot of the right decisions, you know, and that person already trusted you, why am I even going to see them anymore? So you just start doing the thing. And the only reason why you would start going to that person anymore is if you needed like authorization for money. (laughs) Other than that, yeah, there was no point. And, but that's the whole point of leading your people and empowering them to make those decisions. Right. And that has everything to do with how you're wording things. Now, if that person came in, did the exact same thing as the prior manager and just kept on, giving me the answers, where would I be today?
0: That's right. That's exactly right. That's an excellent story of two things to me, a leader as a good coach. So the person was, you know, they were being a good coach to you and the leader that's able to empower. So there, those are the two um, competencies, let's say that they are strengths that they were leaning on at all times. So that's excellent. And and the other thing that you didn't say is that new leader didn't, or even the or probably the previous leader would probably ask you, well, why do you want to do it that way? So again, why being and that makes you, you doubt that you've made the right choice. And it's so and it's judgy. So the the new leader. Didn't say why, they just said you, you have they're basically thinking you have this answer. And the other thing that you hit on, which is excellent, is that I contend that the leader's real job is to remove obstacles to success. So when you need money or another resource or something, then they swoop in and remove that obstacle to your success, right? But you're you have all the and the employees have all the answers. And so that's it actually also a really great um. Engagement strategy. You know, we hear a lot of people talking about retention. Well, if you allow the employee to do their job and do that, do them well, and you ask the right questions, then you're going to retain them on a different level.
1: Right? Yeah, that bringing up retention and just thinking about those days back in Best Buy. Um, Best Buy opened up in Canada. They've been open for less than a year. So it was about six months at this point in time. And if a customer came and had an issue with anything, they were literally handing out gift cards like it was, you know, like a Swiss army knife. They are just flicking them out, just giving them out to everybody. You know, I remember a customer, we had their vehicle, we were working on it and needed to be done by, you know, it was booked till one o'clock and it was done at like one Oh five. And at like one Oh five, they went and complained to the manager that it took longer and they gave them a hundred dollar gift card. And I'm like, what? This is like normal. You go to a tire shop, you go to a mechanic shop. They try and get it done for one o'clock, but obstacles come. It's not like I got it done at 3 p.m. instead of 1. And they were handing out gift cards like crazy. And so they were basically, people caught on to this and, you know, I bought my (laughs) Xbox and it's got a damaged controller. Well, here's a $50 gift card. Sorry about the inconvenience. So people caught on to it and then head office basically said, whoa, 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 you've given out like $10,000 of gift cards in the last six months. This is not, we're not trying to buy our customers, right? Like, you know, so that's where, you know, leadership has to sometimes come in, swoop down and go, whoa, <laughs> it's a little too much.
0: <laughs> well, and you it- when you tell that story, I think about somebody wasn't coaching the people to really apologize well, to choose the words to to mitigate the situation, right? Without having to give hundred dollars. I mean, there there are ways to apologize so well that the person's like, "Oh yeah, no problem. You know, it's it's all good." So oh, yeah, I want to yeah. I want to um, offer another sort of set of words that for leaders to stay away from that. Um, cause uncertainty and ambiguity so I so I coach right so I'm a leadership coach and I I come I'm I will always coach because I love it so much I literally every day writing down oh oh really that's good (laughs) like I write down what people say and so a lot of people say without thinking about it they say uh we'll probably be able to meet that deadline or we might uh you know, achieve that goal by the end of the quarter, or what have you. And so, might and probably, or I'm pretty sure, I hear a lot of people speak in those terms. And the effect to the per to the team, to the employee that you're saying it to, is that you're unsure, you're not certain. And the and the leaders, when I when I was saying that, the leader's job is to remove obstacles, their barriers to success. It's also to provide that certainty and that assurity right so that there's a stability there's a sense of stability um, that goes on it doesn't mean that they know everything and they're when they're when they're unsure that they can ask the questions but saying probably a might and i'm pretty sure it it diminishes any sense of this person this person's got my back right this person knows what's going on
1: and this actually segues into another good story (laughs) That actually actually, that same manager did is if you went and asked him a question and he didn't have an answer, he'd have a notepad, he'd write it down. Mm-hmm. Let me look into this and get back to you. Excellent. Right. And there's lots of leaders that don't do that. Mm-hmm. Right? They'll yeah. say, I don't know. Yeah. And then like walk away. Yeah. You know, or why does that matter to you? Because because they don't know it and it's hurt mm-hmm. their ego they'll, they'll mm-hmm. give kind of like a you know a, a snarky remark right well, now you're you're kind of destroying that employee's confidence right instead of just saying hey you know what let me look into it and get back to you and yeah. I've had actually you know later on in life I'd have people go ask me questions and I would write it back and I get back to them and sometimes it'd be a week later sometimes it'd be a month later sometimes it'd be in 10 minutes yeah but you want to be you want to I always talk about this on the podcast. You want to be listening, listening to your employees, listening to your customers, listening to, you know, what's going on there. Because if you are in a listening space, that's how you're going to grow.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So <laughs> um, I was just going to share, I hope this is okay for prime time. When I, um, <laughs> have leaders that do that or have heard leaders do that what always goes through my mind i started saying this years ago is that when they don't have the answer they go to msu and that's not montana state university or mississippi state university that's make shit up <laughs> like, right and all of a sudden they're like they're salesman answering...
1: university <laughs>
0: what's that Say it again? that
1: sounds like salesman university
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and then next thing you know you've got like this focused answer right Um, I had, I had a mentor, I had a handful of fabulous mentors in my um, career, but I had one that's really might be above them all. He carried index cards in his suit pocket and he did exactly what you're saying. He'd take it out and he'd go, I'll get back to you on that. And he'd make a little note. On the flip side of that index card, he made a note about anything that he heard that was positive or was related to somebody upholding the values of the organization. This was with Four Seasons Hotels. He'd, he'd write their name down and what it was they did, like just in in the matter of course of going along or maybe somebody else would tell him that so-and-so did this fantastic job today. And he'd write that down. And sure enough, that person would get a handwritten note. So on that same note card, he took notes of you know issues or something that needed to be thought for. And on the back, the positive things and the people that should be re- recognized for their efforts.
1: Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about in terms of making make make stuff up right because you know i've had salesmen over the years um in prior positions prior jobs where they literally customer like oh what does that stand for oh that's uh blah 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 blah." they just completely make stuff up is nothing to do with anything they just make it up and then they hope it sticks and then you know you end up seeing somebody on the internet a year later talking about the same thing but it's all made up none of it's like None of it's real, but because they've given so much fake information, it's like, you know, why did eBay start? You know, why? Like there's so many different things and there's just so many different rumors and stories. And then you like, go look it up on Wikipedia. Like, Oh, so that's how it really started. Right. (laughs) And I was listening to this podcast the other day and they were talking about certain something. I'm not going to bring up the subject, but there's a bunch of comedians on there. And they're all like saying their reason why a certain thing's a certain way no 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 this is the truth this is the truth then he look it up on wikipedia like every single one of you are wrong but the thing is every single one of them believed what they were saying was to be true right right and the thing is is if somebody heard them say their story to be honest all of their stories sounded very believable and mm-hmm. that's part of the problem is in society, you have to really have a lot of critical thinking to weed out all this this um MSU, as we'll call it, <laughs> make stuff up <laughs> exactly exactly.
0: yeah, it's it's um pretty rampant these days. And so how do you do that? you you ask better questions, right? You ask questions that start with what and how you gain you're very, very curious to to get to the bottom of. Um, the things that are being said that might not be true, right? So that that's actually a, a huge problem as I see it in the world today. Actually, the very first quote in my book is by a guy named Tom Kenyon, and he says, we are creating the world by how we speak to each other. So think about the impact of that, right? So the people on podcasts or what, you know online, what have you, saying things that aren't true, they're a part of creating the world. They're creating a a (laughs) non-believable circumstance. Right. So that's, that's the kind of step number one is speak the truth. And sometimes that can be hard to come by.
1: So uh, what we've definitely been focusing on a lot of words. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, we kind of like, how can a leader improve employee engagement and therefore retention?
0: Yep. So by asking questions and listening well, so I'm gonna um, talk a little bit about sort of levels. So if you want baseline knowledge, and I actually have a resource that I can point people to at the end of, end of the podcast, like a free resource. I'm all, all about like, just go get what you need type of thing. But here's the, I'm gonna read you a couple of my questions on this one resource. So there's basically questions for general knowledge, questions for deeper inquiry, and questions for connecting more with you, the leader, So I'll just do the first ones to begin with. What are you most proud of, right? How often does somebody ask the employee that? What did you do in this past week that aligns with our values? Or what are you most proud of? Or what do we have to celebrate that, you know, has occurred in the past week that you've worked, if it's Friday or what have you? What happened today to make you laugh? You know, how did you um, serve one of our clients or customers or even connect well with one one of our other team members. So we just don't ask those types of questions. But when we do, we're going on a deeper level to connect with what's important to the employee. Tell me about yourself. What's the most interesting thing that happened today? What energizes you right now? What's the best thing that's happened to you this week or this month, you know, that kind of thing. So that's the step one is ask more powerful questions and then listen. And here's my biggest tip on this. When somebody responds, And they say this little thing, they say, well, you know, I was able to um, get that project over the line on time last week. Instead of saying something else, that's what the leader wants to do. Force yourself to say, tell me more. That's how you engage employees. Pause and listen and say, tell me more. And allow them to continue to articulate what's important to them.
1: Yeah, I'm... So what we're talking about here, I, I'm really big on a certain book. And I, so a couple people might've seen me if you're watching on video that I reached up and grabbed a book that I've had for many years. I've had it since, had it for 18 years now. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, uh, now discover your strengths.
0: Yeah. One yeah. of the
1: best books I've ever read. I still, I tell everybody it's the best book I've ever read. So. Um, but it has a lot of questions when I worked at Best Buy that I still use to this day. And, you know, do I know what is expected of me at work? Mm -hmm. Right. Do I have the materials and equipment I need to do my work properly at work? Do I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day? So I would actually have one-on-ones with employees within their first 90 days. And I would ask them, what are their short-term goals? What are their long-term goals? you know, personal or professional. I would also ask, what can I do to help them accomplish those goals? I would ask them, do they know what is expected of them at work? Mm -hmm. I would ask them, you know, what do they do? Because I want to know, Are you know, and you get people that are like, "Uh, I don't know, or you get people like, oh, I'm expected to do this, this, this and that, right? And you list stuff off. So it opens up that communication between you and your employee but there's there's lots of very good questions in in here. Uh, there's twelve questions or whatever. I'm not going to read them all for you, but you know there's questions like, are my coworkers committed to doing quality work? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people don't realize, you know, uh, you know that person is our number one salesperson, but they do really bad work. They lie to the customers all the time, but they get the most money, and then mm-hmm. people keep them around. And then you're rotating through all these other staff members because that person is destroying your culture. Right. Right. right? So, you know, it's very important that you're having a very good communication within with all of your staff. And then, you know, reading like Terry's book, getting a good idea of what examples maybe I don't, you know, maybe reading now, discover your strengths, taking advantage of, of questions that you should be asking your employees and making sure that there's open communication right I, I believe in that so yeah.
0: absolutely and I would say for that for that book so that's geared towards you as the employee reading it like the, the questions that you were um, asking Ben or reading they're asking themselves the leader can pick up that book and frame those questions into their one-on-ones by starting with what or how or tell me, you know. So what and what those questions are doing? They're connecting the person to the their purpose and the values in the organization, right? By it being able that's the whole point of that is that it's I'm I'm leveraging my strengths and my values and the, they serve my my role here. And so I would encourage the leaders to look at that book. It's a great book and tease out and turn those questions around and start them with what or how, or tell me from the leadership perspective to tease that out of the employee. That's great engagement.
1: Yeah. So like we talked about earlier about listening as a leader and take, and I I have a good story (laughs) again. Um, and actually, it came, comes back to Best Buy because I, I do owe a lot of my success of where I've gotten to today, to 2002 to 2006, those those four years when I worked at Best Buy. And when Best Buy first opened, uh, a, about a year or two years in, there was this story where like, hey, why do we all of a sudden have chips and Pepsi and Coke products? Like out of the blue, we just all of a sudden have it. And what happened was, there was this rep one rep ones like a cashier and her job. It was a lady is to basically, you know, take the money from the client when they're paying. Well, she kept abandoning her position and taking off and they could have easily said, Hey, you're not doing your job. We noticed you leaving the till and just reprimanded her or fired her because she kept leaving her, her till. Instead they asked her, Hey, we notice you keep leaving the till and taking off somewhere. Can you mind explaining to me like what you're doing? And she said, well, people are, you know, mothers and fathers and everything are coming in all the time with their kids and they want like a snack or a drink. And I basically take a loony from them and I go into our room and get a you know, can of pop or bag of chips with their change. And I bring it to them. She, and you know what she says, you know, if we just sold chips and candy and drinks, we, I wouldn't have to do this. And it was, it was just a story of great customer service. Mm -hmm. And they could have just nipped it in the butt, fired her because she wasn't doing her job. That's what they could have really done if they weren't listening. But instead they go, whoa, why aren't we doing this? next thing you know we got energy drinks and pop and candy bars and boom now it's you know an add-on at the till all because of this lady going above and beyond what was expected of her and then the the higher ups listening and going hey yeah why don't we have this stuff here right right. and it's important to have that communication with your staff like it really is
0: right (laughs) Well, particularly, I mean, I've been coaching this for the last better part of a year, right? When we're facing, when you're staring down a recession and potential layoffs and, you know, the different things that people have been going through, this is absolutely the time to listen to your staff. They know where to cut expenses. They know how to drive more sales. But the frontline workers, they're the ticket. They're the key and they're the ticket to um, success and to keeping things afloat from my perspective.
1: Yeah the the only thing i say is a lot of a lot of companies will cut the customer experience stuff off cuz they see it as an expense and i think that's a mistake because i honestly i've had months where it's so slow but it's like whoa 50% of my month was people referring me to their friends right and i wouldn't have even had any business from the normal marketing channels And it wasn't all these referrals. That's right. So if you're not focusing on that, like long-term growth, you really want to make sure to have that personalized experience and take care of your customers and actually care. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I know we're, we are aligned on that. (laughs) Yeah. And that again, so that, that gets back to your listening, listening to your customers and an excellent story of listening to the employee, listening well to the customers and really hearing. And that actually set you up for success in the future. Like what additional product are they looking for? How are you serving their needs? You know, that kind of thing. What What are you doing well? What could you be doing differently? And then truly listening to that response and adjusting. Love it.
1: Yeah, I think, I think we've definitely talked a lot about what words to use. Do you have any final uh, words of wisdom for our listeners?
0: Well, I shared Tom Kenyon's quote. So I, I'll, I'll add to that mind is that Yours is the voice of mankind. So when I think about that, I think, wow, that's a huge responsibility. So, and not when I say voice, even your ability to listen, right? Communication in general. But if you think about yours is the voice and yours Ben, but all your listeners too, (laughs) is the voice of mankind. How does that influence the words that you'll choose for yourself, for your loved ones, for um, your colleagues, everyone? Important.
1: Nice. So so how does somebody connect with you, Terry?
0: Well, let's start with the odd spelling of my name. So it's Terry P-E-R-R-E at thrivinglc.com. And so that stands for Thriving Leader. So Thriving Leader Collaborative is the my company, or I have another company, but that's that's the umbrella of that thrivingleadercollaborative.com, and we have lots of resources on there. As I said, we have the document that I started to read from about engaging your employees, some really impactful questions. Uh, We have a resource for having really effective one-on-ones, which we've tapped into a little little bit. Um, And of course the book's on there too, but then the book can be bought anywhere. So that's called, The Words We Choose, Your Guide to How and Why Words Matter.
1: Great, I appreciate coming on. This is a great back and forth of uh, discussion. And uh, hopefully, I was good with my choice of words. (laughs) You were.
0: You were. And you have excellent stories. So, thank you so much. It's been my honor.
1: Thank you for coming on.